Yes, open the Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, please. We'll look at one verse, and then we'll come back to Colossians chapter 1 in a moment. So keep your Bibles open there, if you would. It's been a uh, joyous two months, that's for sure. Make sure I got all my ducks in a row here. My wife told me to make sure I gave her love to each of you and to thank Pastor Tim and Pauline and the church for being such a blessing to us. And uh, so on her behalf, thank you. And I also thank you so much for having such a part in my life and my ministry. And this, it's going to be uh, uh, sad when I leave, but uh, at least I'll got Linda to go back and see and the other things the Lord has planned and we'll come back and do this again next year. I feel like I'm a little loud. So I, should I move this or should I move this or let you do it? You're perfect. Okay. I haven't started yet though, Tony. <laughs> well, I'll read the verse and then we'll see why God just orchestrated everything that's happened today. Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. After the uh, music that we've heard today and the songs, after Pastor Luke got up and preached a pre-sermon before this sermon, there's uh, only one person to talk about today, amen? There's only, there's only one person that uh, is worthy of our attention today, and that's Jesus. So today I'm going to preach, if you see in your book, I'm going to preach on the crescendo of Christ. This is my last sermon, and uh, uh, instead of giving uh, my crescendo, we're going to give a crescendo of Christ today. So let's pray and ask God to bless his word. And uh, as we're bowing our heads and praying, I appreciate David and Rachel singing that song, one of my favorites. And as I was sitting there, you'd have to be a preacher to understand this, but as I'm sitting there, Filling uh, Satan's darts and filling my own nervousness and things. Uh, uh, thank God to remind me I will not fear. We don't have to fear because Jesus is with us. So thank you for that song. Thank you, that, thank you for these songs, amen, that just remind us today. Yeah. And uh, that we can put our hope in Jesus. That's been our theme. Everything that's happened this week, almost hope has come up. So let's pray and ask God to bless. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for this Opportunity, Lord, to have spent two months here at the home church again. Thank you for the uh, lives that's been touched, Lord, not just because of me, but this church, Lord. Thank you for their concern for missions and souls. And, and thank you, God, that we can exalt you, Jesus. I pray you'd help me to do that. And in doing that, I pray, God, that you'd uh, change our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. The Bible reminds us in this verse, as many other places in the Bible, that God the Father has no problem exalting God the Son. God the Father is not jealous at all when we exalt Jesus. We can't exalt Jesus too high. We can't lift Jesus up too much. We can't say enough about Jesus. Because the Bible reminds us that, that God was pleased that in Jesus all fullness would dwell. And as I say that, 
We live in a world, especially a religious world, their goal is to put Jesus down. Their goal is to not exalt Jesus. But God exalts Jesus, and so that's what we're going to try to do today. That's what we mean by crescendo, the crescendo of Christ. I love music that has crescendos. All of us love the Hallelujah Chorus. The reason why we love the Hallelujah Chorus, because it starts off and it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And uh, speaking of that, I'll share the words of another song that's like it's, it's a it's a contemporary song. We've sang it here since I've been here. But the songwriter said, You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high, your hidden glory in creation now revealed, and you are Christ. And then the chorus, the first part says, What a beautiful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, what a powerful name it is. So that's sort of the thought that I have when I talk about the crescendo of Christ. And so today, I trust that we'll be able to do that. We'll try to quote some verses today, not to show you I can quote verses, but I personally get blessed when I hear the Bible being quoted, read or quoted, but I think there's something powerful about the Bible being quoted. And, uh, and secondly, I do this because it helps me to see if I've got Alzheimer's or not. <laughs> so, uh, every now and then I'll come across a verse and I've, I've known better my own name and I'll try to quote it and it just, just, just doesn't come. And I think Alzheimer's is kicking in. So I, I like to quote verses every now and then just to keep me in check and see, see if I'm going crazy or getting too old or, or, or whatever. But I love the scriptures that the Holy Spirit inspired the writers to exalt Jesus Christ. It's all through the Bible. Today we'll look at some of those, then we'll come back to Colossians chapter 1. But I love Isaiah 9, 6. And to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What a wonderful exaltation of Jesus. We can't leave Isaiah 53 out. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Great exaltation of Christ. We come to the New Testament and I can't... Uh, I get away from the exaltation that John gives Jesus in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness of the light that all men through him might be saved. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of that light. And that light's all men that comes in the world. He came into the world, he was, and the world was made by him, yet the world received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name, who were born not of... of Flesh, not of blood, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, 
the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, God, for that amazing scripture. And then we can't go on to our next thought without thinking of the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be dominion and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Behold, he comes with clouds. Every eye shall see him. Also those that pierced him shall see him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, I am Alpha and Omega, saith the Lord, the beginning and the ending. I am he which was, which is, and is to come, the Almighty. Thank you, God, for these amazing verses. As I quote Revelation chapter 1, verse number 8, and in uh, India, I shared this with someone this week, they were sort of surprised at this statistic. But in India, India has the second largest Muslim population in the world. The only country that has more Muslims in it is Indonesia. And when I say this, I love Muslims. I truly love Muslims. I truly have a burden for Muslims. And the, one of my greatest blessings of the, one of the churches in, is in India is, there is there's one of the most faithful young men there. He's going to Bible college now in Baltimore. He, he was a Muslim, and he heard me preach, and he got saved. And now he's going to, to um, Baltimore to, to serve the Lord. I was out, by, uh, out in the way away from here at the river the other day. And in fact, it was Friday night after the funeral. I took off somewhere and went to do some walking. And I went to the river. There were some uh, uh, four carloads of Muslims there. And they were in the river swimming, and I was surprised that the, the girl that was swimming had her Muslim clothes on. And so I gave him a, a, the greatest love track. That's a good track to give the Muslims. So gave him the greatest love track. And they went walking down to where the rest of the, the Muslims were. And I started to go down there and, and maybe get a conversation with them because they were at my favorite place to walk. So I decided I wouldn't do that. But I did walk a little farther. And I noticed that they threw my greatest love track on the ground. <laughs> so I was all bummed out and thinking, now what, I, what do I do? Well, when I, it, was, it was dark, actually dark. It was 8, eight o'clock a little after. It's getting dark now. So I got back, and all, all the Muslim people came back to the place that only I and they were there, me and four, and four carloads of Muslims. And I'm thinking, what do I do? Well, I happen to have one of our... Uh, Muslim tracks that we use for Muslim outreach that talks about having real peace, has some things about Muhammad and Jesus. So I prayed for the Lord to give me the courage to talk to him. Well, then they got their rugs out of the car and all of them went looked to the east and started having their prayer meeting. So I sat down on the bench by them and I was praying to Jesus while they were praying to Allah. And so, so me and the Muslims, we had a prayer meeting. They were praying, I was praying. And after, after they got through praying, I went over there and said, I didn't want to disturb you while you were praying, but I said, here's, a, here's a, uh, some scripture about Muhammad and peace. And so I thought, well, this is probably going to be the, uh, how I'm going to die. I've often, thought, like, <laughs> I've often thought in India, a good way to die would be suicide by Muslim. 
That, so I thought that was the night I was going to do that. But I said that to say, we were out on the streets of Mumbai, and we were soul winning like we always do there, and thousands and thousands of Muslims, giving tracts to, to Muslims. And if you've ever talked to a, a dear Muslim person, they'll, they'll say a couple of things. One of them is that, the, uh, that Jesus isn't God. They have to say that. And the second one is that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Somebody took his place and so that we would think Jesus died, but Jesus didn't really die on the cross. And the, and the third one is that the Bible has been translated so many times that you can't trust in it. It's unreliable because it's been translated so many times. And I, I just have to clarify something in case this, this CD gets somewhere. I preached a sermon here at the home church about five years ago. I said something about what I'm going to say today. And a dear, one of my dearest friends got the CD I preached. And his conclusion was, I didn't believe the King James Bible and he hasn't spoken to me since then. So in case this CD gets somewhere, uh, let me just say on the record, this is the Word of God. This is the perfect Word of God. Preacher preached about it last week. The law of the Lord is perfect. I hold in my hand the perfect word of God. There is no mistakes in it. It's the, it's the holy word of God. But the Muslims, they try to tell us that it's been translated so many times you can't rely on it. So we had that happen on the streets. I went back to my room and I uh, was by myself and one of those nights where I wasn't sleeping anyway. So I got my couple of Bible programs I have. One of them I already had, one that Pastor Luke put on my program for me. I read, uh, uh, I read uh, Revelation 1-8 in 33 versions of the Bible. 30 English versions. I read Martin Luther's Greek New Testament. I read the Spanish version of it. And I read the Greek Texas Receptus where we get our King James Bible. 30 of those versions, even though some of those are, are I understand about manuscript evidence. That was one of my subjects for 30 years. But, and I understand about versions, versions, uh, versions of the Bible that are polluted and not true. But 30 of those said that Almighty, just like Revelation 1.8 said, and the other three said Creator. So all 33 versions of the Bible say that Jesus is the Almighty. And what a great tool that is for us. And God made sure, no matter what man did, God made sure that Jesus would be exalted. And God made sure that we would know that Jesus is God, the Almighty. So, thank you, God, for putting these uh, scriptures in the, in the Word of God for us. Well, back in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, "...giving thanks unto the Father, who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance in light and has uh, uh, changed us from the power of, of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins for he was before all things and by him are all things created the bible says he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of every creature whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, visible or invisible, dominion, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, 
All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father, that's our scripture, that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, to reconcile all things unto himself, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, hath he reconciled unto himself through the, in the flesh through death, that he may present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. So today I'm preaching about the crescendo of Christ is the security of the saint. Thank you as we look at all these scriptures I've talked about today, but God put those there so you and I could have a wonderful security this morning. Well, first of all, the Bible tells us, if you've got your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, that because of Jesus, we have a relationship with the children of God. Because of Jesus... I have a relationship with you this morning. You have a relationship with me. Notice in verse number 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in God. The Bible says that I have been qualified to be partakers with the saints. Pastor Tim mentioned a moment ago about my past and coming, coming to Jesus. The Bible says that God qualifies us to become a Christian. You don't become a Christian by your own righteousness. God qualifies us. God made it possible in the fact that he sent Jesus to die on the cross and Jesus gave his blood. He justifies us. His righteousness is imputed to us. And he qualified me to be a Christian. Oftentimes, even as a Christian, after being a Christian 43 years, oftentimes it still seems hard for me to fit in somewhere. It seems like that I, I actually don't fit in a lot of places. I'm a, I'm a fundamental, Bible-believing, independent Baptist who believes the King James Bible, and I listen to contemporary music. That does it right there. If I had just stuck to the first part of it, I'd have such great fellowship with people. Uh, but because I had to throw the last part in, that, throw, that just makes not fellowship there. Sometimes I get around people and they just, seem, they just seem so holy. They just seem so clean. And especially those of you who got saved and you've been a Christian all your life. And let me just pause right here. There's people in this room who are, who are relating to what I'm saying. Sometimes you don't feel like you fit in. Sometimes your past makes you not fit in. Sometimes your personal circumstances right now makes you not fill in. Fit in, But let me just say, it's not the church's fault. It's, it's, that's our feelings. That's our hang-ups. And, and even if that wasn't the case, the good news is God qualified me to be a saint. He made me a saint. And therefore, I fit in with the saints. I fit with the children of God. I have a place with the children of God. That's why I love church. I don't love all local churches, but I love the church. I, I couldn't feel comfortable in some local churches, but thank God that I have this church and other churches where I can say, this is where I belong because God made me a saint. 
God made me a Christian. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you ought to thank God for it. We ought to get on our knees and thank God that we're a Christian. Thank God we can belong to the church. Thank God we can be part of the family of God. Jesus made me part of the family of God. You may not like me, but I'm in your family. You may, you may, you may not want to fellowship with me, but I'm in your family. You may not uh, think I'm uh, made up to par, but I'm in your family. God made me in your family. God made it me, qualified me to be a Christian. That's good news for me, my friend. Because if God hadn't have done it, I would never have been part of the family of God. He made me a child of God. I went uh, soul winning with uh, Miguel Thursday night, and he asked me a question. And he said, why do many Christians uh, quit serving the Lord or don't serve the Lord or whatever? And there's lots of answers to that, but I gave him at least one of my, my testimonies. I said, sometimes people who are, are raised around the church, they just take it for granted. Sometimes children, and there's children I'm talking to in this room, no doubt, You've got wonderful homes. Thank God you were saved when you were young. But the truth is you take it for granted. And I said the difference I think between me and some people, I don't take it for granted. I know, I know what Jesus did for me. I know how important it is to be a Christian. I know how important it is to go to church. I know how important it is to read the Bible and pray. And what a great privilege that is for us to have. The Bible says God qualified us. I was in Jackson two weeks ago, not at the uh, casino. <laughs> I was trying to get money for India one way or another, but <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> but I went to my favorite spot. You can find them all over America, McDonald's. <laughs> and I got my senior coffee and my uh, caramel ice cream sundae. And I was sitting there <clears throat> working on this message two weeks ago. And a lady walked in, and she had a T-shirt on, and she said, it said, normal people scare me. <laughs> and I said, that's better than what I'm putting here on this paper. Normal people scare me. I admit that I get scared by normal people. And if you're normal, I probably don't feel too comfortable around you. But thank God we're in the same family, amen? And we can come to church, and we can love on each other. We can pray for each other. We can bless each other. That's what the church is all about. Thank God we don't have to, to come and be like each other. We just come and be, try to be like Jesus and love on Jesus. The Bible says in verse 13 that we've been delivered. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I don't claim to be some great example of that. But one thing I know, I've been delivered. I know I was in the power of darkness and I've been delivered. God delivered us. Uh, I, when I preach, uh, my testimony always comes up, at least the parts that I can tell. And, uh, but I, a friend of mine who was a deacon in a church I worked up at in Washington, I was preaching and I did what I always seemed to do. I was sort of uh, uh, giving myself a hard time because of my past. And he encouraged me. He said, Pastor Mike, don't feel so bad about your past. He said, your life reminds my family and I of God's grace. And that encouraged me, and thank God, I hope that does. But there's something more 
something else I should say that I want to happen. I want my life to be a testimony of God's power. The Bible says that God not only gave me grace, He had the power to deliver me from the kingdom of darkness. And grace is not much grace if it can't deliver us from the powers of darkness. I want my life to be a testimony that God's power can deliver you. Whatever we've got in our life, God can deliver us. And I wish I was a better example of that. But I'm telling you this morning, my friend, if you've got a habit, God can deliver you. If you've got smoking habits and drinking habits and cursing habits and pornography habits and whatever habits we've got, God gave us power to overcome that. He translated us. We're not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. He translated us to the kingdom of light. We're new creatures in Christ. Our lives should not just reflect the grace of God that He saves sinners. Our lives should reflect the fact that God has power to change sinners. And God's made our lives differently. How sad that many Christians are still gripped by the same darkness that God saved them out of. And still gripped by the same habits and sin that God saved them out of. That blood was shed to wash our sins and cleanse us from our sins and make us live like Jesus. God said that He gave us power to do that. Thank you, God. He translated us. We've been past John 5, 24. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come in condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Thank you that we're in a new kingdom. We've been qualified, we've been delivered, and we've been translated. Secondly, because of Jesus, we have redemption through the Son, the Bible reminds us. We've sang about it this morning. We have redemption through the Son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We quoted the verse a moment ago, verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of His cross. Uh, uh, several years ago, Pastor Tim remember this, but and others that, that would be in the know, but probably a decade ago, maybe longer, there was a famous uh, Bible teacher, and actually is a, is a good Bible teacher, and I believe that he's even recanted since then. But he was uh, 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 said that it uh, wasn't the blood necessarily of Jesus that washed your sins away. It was his sacrifice on the cross. Well... I don't know what he did when he came to Colossians chapter 1. Maybe he blinked or something. But the Bible says it's by his blood. We have forgiveness by his blood. He shed his blood. That blood was given to wash away our sins, the Bible says. He purchased us with his blood. We're not redeemed with such things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, Peter said. Verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is? Look at Jesus. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. Jesus came in the flesh, God in the flesh, to reveal us the image of God. In John 1.18, the Bible says that Jesus came to reveal God. In John 14.9, Jesus said, Have I been so long with you and you don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to Reveal, he's the image of the invisible God. We can't see God, he's a spirit. But Jesus came to, to show us God. Verse 16, the Bible says, He's the creator of all things, for by him are all things created that are in heaven and earth. Everything that was made was made by Jesus. 
can't be God. You can't make all things if you're not God. And if you're God, you make all things. Jesus made all things. Visible and invisible. I like that. Jesus made everything we, we can't see today. And uh, man had no conception of this till they invented the telescope or a microscope. And now they see things that they could have never seen before. Those telescopes that show us those billions of galaxies now. Not just ours, but billions, with billions of stars in those. Created things that we can see and things that we can't see, the Bible says. Verse number 17, he is the sustainer of all things. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter uh, 1, verse 3, the Bible says that all things are held together by the word of his power. The same word that spoke all things into existence, that same word holds all things into existence. And that's why when the, when the trumpet sounds, uh, Jesus is just going to uh, speak and we're going to be in heaven with him, the Bible tells us. He's the sustainer of all things. The Bible says in verse number 18 that he is the head of the church. He is the head of the body of the church. I was a at a place, and they were discussing about uh, the uh, government of the church. And they were discussing, uh, do we want a pastor-ran church? Do we want a deacon-ran church? Do we want an elder-ran church? Do we want a congregational-ran church? Well, I've got a novel idea. How about let Jesus run the church? He's the head of the church. Jesus is the head. Thank God for that. Thank God we have a church that understands that, pastors that understand that. And so thank God that as long as we follow Jesus, God's going to bless us and God's going to use us. And we're going to do great things. He's the, he's the head of the church. But the Bible says that, all, and that in him all things, that he would have the preeminence. That means that Jesus would simply come first. Jesus would come first in everything. So I ask myself today, ask you today, ask you young persons, is Jesus first in everything today? Was, as Pastor Luke said, is he our first love? Is he our, is he our first admiration? Did we talk to him first this morning? Did we read his word first today? Is he the, 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 the person that we're going to obey today? Is Jesus first in our life today? He's the head of the church, so he can have preeminence. So he can be first. Then verse number 19, as we began, the Bible says he's the fullness of God. He's the fullness of God. In Colossians 2.9, it says that he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything about God is wrapped up in Jesus bodily. He's the fullness of the Godhead. He's not just a man. He's not, he's not just a prophet. Uh, he wasn't just someone died on the cross. He's God in the flesh, the fullness of God in the person of Jesus Christ. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. He's the fullness of everything. He's everything is what God's trying to tell. He's everything we need. He's everything that we could hope for. He's the answer for our sin. He's the answer for our salvation. He's the answer for our burdens. He's the answer for our discouragement. He's the answer for our joy. He's the answer for our future. Jesus is the answer. He's the, the, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The sum of the matter is simply this. 
Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He has everything we need. And lastly, and in conclusion, the Bible says not only do we have a relationship with the children of God, we have redemption through the Son of God, but we have been reconciled to the Father God. We've been reconciled to God because of Jesus. God is now our Father. God is now our friend. Verse number uh, 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, to, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. We've been reconciled. Verse 21 says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. I wish I didn't have to admit it, but that's me right there. I was an enemy of God. I was alienated by God in my mind by wicked works. And don't look so sanctimonious, my friend. You also were like that. That's also your story. You may not have been as deep as I have been in sin, but it took, the, it took just as much of Jesus' blood to wash away your sins as it did my sin. He had to suffer on the cross for your sin just like he did my sin. It doesn't matter. Jesus died for all of us. And had you been the only one alive, you would have been the only sinner. And Jesus would have suffered just as much. Suffered for you. He suffered for me. Thank you, God. You've reconciled me to God. There's nothing worse in this life than not to be a friend of God. This week, every week, every year, every week of my life, every week, we see it here, those of us that deal with people. We see people who are enemies of God. Enemies, they don't know it, but they're enemies of God. Their religion is an enemy of God. Their philosophy is an enemy of God. The things they do is an enemy of God. The places they go reveal they're an enemy of God. The way they talk reveals they're an enemy of God. Just yesterday, a, a book could be written of yesterday. I saw a young lady with... A, 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 a vile t-shirt on a, a, that uh, nobody in their right mind would wear a t-shirt like that in public so vile and last night Aaron and I as we were out visiting I had a man that, that cussed me out used the most vulgar filthy wicked language cursing me out as we were there trying to love and, and tell people about Jesus tell you what we live in a world that's an enemy of God and I too was there and thank God I've been reconciled. I'm a, I'm a friend of God this morning because he first loved me. He is my father this, this morning. We've been reconciled. Thank you, God. We are no longer enemies. By the way, it's always us that are wrong. I suppose the most wicked thing to do is pretend like God's wrong. It's God's fault. No, we're the one that's wrong. It's our sin that separated us. It's our sin who nailed us to the cross. Then I close with verse 22 because it takes us back to the beginning. We've been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. In my study Bible, which is over in the trailer, my big black 66 King James Bible canon is over in the trailer. And in my study Bible... I have this written beside verse 21. I put my past. And in verse 22, I've got written there my present. My past was, I was an enemy of God by my wicked works, but thank God now, 
Because of Jesus, he's, he's going to present me holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. Only Jesus could do that. Thank you, God. And as much as I stumble and as much as you stumble now and our flaws, our weaknesses, none of us have arrived. Thank God when we get to heaven, it's, it's finally going to happen to me. It's finally going to happen. One day, I'm going to be totally holy, totally un, unblameable, totally unreprovable. Right now, I'm not. And if you hang around with me for a while, you'd know that would be the case. But one day... Jesus is going to present me to the Father and you if you know Jesus. He's going to present us holy. And say, see this, see this wretch right here? I made this wretch holy. No longer a wretch. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Give the Lord a hand. Yes, give the Lord a hand. So God gave us this wonderful crescendo of Jesus. God just elevates Jesus. And lifts Jesus up. And when we see that, it changes our life. When we see that, we can never be the same again. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.